Hey guys, welcome back to the Now What series, and I'm welcoming you to TC. Uh, for those of you that are new, maybe it's your first time with us, maybe you're still checking out Transformation Church, man, we are excited that you're with us. My name is Brad Livingston, I'm the lead pastor here, and we are honored that you are here today. And I do believe God has a message uh, to speak to your heart. We've been in this Now What series, like I said, and uh, this idea of where do we go from here, right? And so uh, we spent some time talking about just the pandemic and coronavirus and all of those things, and then we kind of wanted to move into this series where we started acknowledging where do we go from here? Right? We know that this is there's a time coming where we're not going to be dealing with all the same things that we're currently dealing with. Some of you have already started eating out at restaurants and getting back to at least some of the normalcy that your life used to hold. And so uh, we kind of wanted to start laying out a framework of where do we go. And so we've had different topics throughout the series already. And today we want to bring you another one about this idea of just don't settle. You see, for many of us, uh, we have experienced the past. We've walked through different seasons of blessing. Man, we know that God has something great for our life. And if you don't know that, if that's not an assurance that you have, I'm here to tell you today that God does have a great plan for your life. He has a purpose that he wants you to fulfill and all of it is going to bring glory to his name so that he would be glorified through the life that he has destined you to live. And so I want to invite you into this journey where God is everything to you. But as we go through that life, you see, we have these opportunities, different things pop up in our life where we either have to choose this or choose that. We either get to choose the now or we get to invest in the later. And, and that, that those terms are going to have a little more meaning as we work through what I want to talk to you for the next few minutes about today. You see, in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, there's this story of Isaac and Rebekah who had two sons, twin sons. Their names were Esau and Jacob. And as they were born uh, in, in actually in Isaac and Rebekah's older age, as Esau and Jacob were born, uh, the Bible actually tells us that Esau was really loved by his father and Jacob was really loved by his mother. And, and so as they grew up, they found themselves in this opportunity. You see in the Bible and in the Old Testament and really in ancient times is the, as the family got older, the sons would take on birthrights, right? So the oldest son would have a birthright, uh, which is the, a good portion, two thirds of what the family estate was. There would be uh, multiple promises, generational blessings. Uh, there is a birthright to the oldest son. And so we see in the book of Genesis that this opportunity arises where Esau, who is born first out of the two twin boys, has this birthright, right? And in that moment, we see that Esau and Jacob were totally different. I mean, really different people. And we go to verses 29 through 33. It says, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, because he liked to be home. He liked to be in the tent, right? Uh, Esau was a hunter. He liked to go out and gather. He liked to go out and kill the animals. So Jacob would stay home and cook, and, and Esau would go out and hunt. And it says that once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I am famished. And Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. And so Jacob was telling Esau, listen, I'll give this to you, but you got to sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. And here's a question that I kind of want to pose to you for just a second. Here's a question that I have for you. Have you ever been tempted to sell what's good later 
to have what you can have now? Have you ever been tempted to, to relinquish a blessing, a promise, something you've been working hard for even, that you know is going to be down the road, but you sacrifice on that because you want something now? And I'll tell you what gets me every time. What gets me every time, if I'm not careful, is the hot now light at the Krispy Kreme. I'm telling you what, I will trade a lot of things. Listen, you can trade what's later for that hot now sign. Am I right? Hot pillowy goodness, right? Soft. Listen, the real idea behind the Krispy Kreme donut is there can't be that many calories in it because you hardly have to chew them, right? Am I right? So anyways, the Krispy Kreme donuts, I say you, you pass by. So here's the thing. I've just relented that, you know what, man, we need to be careful and make sure that we're not chowing down on Krispy Kreme donuts. Anyways, the reality is this. Many of us are tempted to sell what God is doing in our life. God is destined your life for purpose, for a great thing, for something that's going to bring him glory. God is doing something in your life. He's driving you to this place. He's leading you to this place. For those of us who have surrendered our life to God, he is leading us on a pathway where even through pain, circumstances, struggles, he's leading us to greater days where he is going to receive glory from our lives. And so as he's leading us to that, there is a greater thing that waits for us. There is an ultimate promise that God has for us. And the temptation for many of us is to sell what's good, sell what's later, sell what's coming for something so small now. And that's exactly what Esau did. We find himself in, and so for many of us, we have this temptation to sell, uh, to, to, to trade uh, our calling for companionship, to settle for those things. We're, uh, we have this temptation to settle for the curiosity of our lives and sacrifice our greater character. For many of us, we have this temptation to settle for some person that is uh, an opportunity to have in our life rather than the platform that God wants us to have in our life. You see, for many of us, we are settled for to, to, we are trying to settle for the current preferences of our life rather than looking for the purpose that God has for our life. See, some of us are willing to settle for what's easy rather than clinging to what's eternal. For many of us, we are settling for a, a pursuit of other people rather than looking for God's placement in our life. Listen to me. Don't settle for the stew when you can have the promises of God. Don't sell what God has already said is available to you for something so temporary right now. You see, there is very little satisfaction in the now, but there is great reward in what God is gonna bring to your life later. And the thing is, we have to remain faithful. And the important thing that we have to remember in this space is that we, we always think of the enemy showing up in our life, the devil showing up in our life. And when we do that, we are prepared for him to show up with the pitchfork and the horns and the tail. Like we're, we're prepared for the cartoon version of the enemy disrupting our life, aren't we? We are prepared for him to show up looking like uh, the red skin and the Halloween costumes of the devil. We are prepared for him to show up looking those ways. But I'm here to tell you today, he rarely shows up looking like that. He almost always shows up looking like everything you've always wanted. 
You see, he knows what it is that you've been looking for. He knows what will tempt you. He knows what will cause you to sell your promises of later for the stew right now. He knows what those things are. And he shows up on the scene, not with the pitchfork. He shows up on the scene with the things you think you want in your life. He shows up on the scene with the things you're pursuing instead of pursuing God. He shows up ready to give those things to you. If you'll trade the God thing for later, you'll get whatever you think is a good thing now. And he shows up on the scene. And so the reality is we have to realize that sometimes the enemy shows up dressed like the thing we've always wanted. Sometimes he shows up dressed like the guy or the girl, right, that we think we need in our life. Sometimes he shows up like that job you've always wanted. Sometimes he shows up like the promotion that's going to take you away from your family or your small group. Sometimes he shows up like that man. Some of you ladies, he'll show up like that man that will tell you and make you feel all the ways that maybe your father or an ex never did. The person that caused damage, he'll show up and bring someone into your life that'll help fix all those things. And in reality, what you don't need is another person that's going to break you even worse. What you need is Jesus on your life that can restore you back to whole and restore you back to everything that God destined for you in the beginning. You see, the reality is sometimes he shows up like those things. Sometimes he shows up like success, like ambition. Sometimes he shows up like treasures, like glory. Sometimes he shows up like the thing you keep wanting. Now, none of those things are bad to want them, but when you have an opportunity to trade what's good, what's godly, a pursuit after what God has for you, when you have the chance to trade that for something temporary, it's never worth it. The reward is never there. You see, what I have found out is this. The enemy rarely shows up on the scene and demands you trade godliness for worldliness. See, in very few instances have I seen the enemy show up on the scene, show up in somebody's life and say, take your pick right now, God or the world, and try to show you good things in the world. It actually looks like a slow erosion of your principles. It looks like a slow erosion. It it looks like a, a very slow breakdown of the foundation of godliness in your life. You don't wake up one day, never go to church again. You just start finding other things that you would rather be doing than that. You don't wake up one day and just never pray. Some other things start to consume your time. You start to work longer hours, right? The reality is we rarely trade one thing for the other. It slowly trickles out of our lives. And I remember, uh, you know, going to Gatlinburg, Tennessee with my parents when we were younger. And we would go into these caves. And in these caves that had been there for hundreds or even thousands of years, and, and over time, the water dripping in those caves and just erosion in those caves would li- left, quite frankly, these really majestic and awesome-looking um, like pathways that you could walk through. But over time, you could see that what remained in those caves was actually a very small version of what used to be there. And listen to me for a second. Some of our lives look like very small versions of the greatness that God had for us. For many of us, the slow erosion of values, character, and integrity, the slow erosion of a relationship with Jesus, the slow erosion of a prayer life that once existed, and a a desire to read the Bible that once was in your life, That erosion has slowly been taken over by things of this world that the enemy has allowed you to trade for what God originally planned for you. And the reality is God has something great for you. Listen, 
Don't look for the great fall that the enemy wants to bring to you. Look for the slight erosion in our life. You see, too many people have had their life eroded away over time. You see, the enemy never asked us to trade our passion for God for the passion of the things of the world. The enemy is completely content with you going to church. I want you to know this. The, the devil is completely content with you showing up on Sunday mornings if he can just have passionless worship out of you. He's completely okay with you being a part of a small group if he knows that you'll never become accountable to the people that are in it. You see, the enemy doesn't care that you do the religious functions that look like Christianity as long as we don't commit to the life that Jesus has for us that represents the kingdom of God. Listen, church attendance is not the pillar that we stake Christianity on. You wanna know what it is? A life that pursues after Jesus, that is led by the Spirit of God. And that's what it looks like to say no to the things that the enemy and the world wants to bring to us and say yes to the things that God has for us. We'll never trade it. And so we constantly come to this place where we're looking at this idea and this one question I have for you, what would it look like for us to remain faithfully patient in God's promises? What would it look like for us to remain faithfully patient? Those two words are key. Faithfully, committed, not giving up, patient, waiting on God's promises, the things he's told you he's gonna do in your life and you know you can count on. What would it look like? Well, I wanna give you those things real quick about this idea of what could happen. You see, sometimes we never realize what we're letting go of when we trade. Sometimes we never pay attention to what we're letting go of when we choose the stew instead of choosing the satisfaction in God. And if we go to Genesis 22, this is before the story of Esau and Jacob. If we go to Genesis 22, 17 through 18, God actually gives a promise to a lineage, to a family. And as he gives this promise, check out who's in it, right? He says, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. In other words, I will bless the generations that come from your family. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. In other words, through your children's children, the, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Do you know who that promise was given to? the lineage of Abraham and Isaac. So guess what birthright Esau actually was letting go of? It wasn't just the tents and the land that was available to him right then. He wasn't just letting go of what his father owned tangibly. He was giving up the access. He was giving up the birthright. He was giving up this promise that God had made his family. I want you to think about it for a second. How many times have we thought we were just trading something small when we didn't realize we were letting go of something huge that God had for us? How many times have we not realized that there is something bigger that God is doing in our life than we could think or imagine? How many times have we looked at just small opportunities and said, you know what, I'm gonna choose this instead of God's thing for my life? And we didn't realize that we may have thought we were giving up a small thing that God had for us, but that small thing was gonna lead to a huge opportunity. It was gonna lead to a huge blessing. It was gonna lead to a huge promise in our life. And because we gave up on the small thing, we didn't realize we gave up on the big thing. And when Esau gave up on the small aspect of the birthright, he also gave up on the large aspect of the blessing. 
And for you and I, we have to see that God's promises are the things we should want more than anything else. And so we see Esau didn't realize all of what he was giving up. And we have to realize that when we say yes to God, when we're committing to him, we are locked in to God's promises. So then the question is, what should it look like? What should it look like? Well, when we go to Matthew 4, verses 1 through 4, we actually see Jesus in a very similar position to Esau. You see, if you remember back in Genesis, Esau came in from the fields and he was famished. He was tired. He was exhausted. He was hungry. And in Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus in the same position. It goes like this. It says in Matthew chapter 4, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now I want you to remember something right there. The Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, right? After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So Jesus has been fasting 40 days, no food, nothing. 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, he was tired. Now, one of the things that I want you to realize is happening right here is that he was led by the Spirit. The Spirit of God actually brought him to the dry wilderness to be tested by the enemy. You see, sometimes when we get ourselves into situations, we like to give the enemy credit for something God's trying to do in our life. We like to tell the enemy he's in control when in reality, even the difficult areas of our life, even the dry places of our life, we can be brought to those places by God. Now, don't get me wrong. The enemy may have a voice in it. He may be trying to torment us while we're there, just like he did Jesus. But the reality is God is in control. Even when you find yourself in dry, hard, lonely places, God is still there. And you need to know that. And so the enemy waited until he was fasting. So the enemy shows up, waits till he's fasting 40 days and 40 nights, and then he starts to tempt him. Listen, don't forget, the enemy will show up at an opportune time to try to get you to fall with bad decisions. I'm just talking about decisions that are going to mess you up in your eternity. I'm talking about decisions that will cause you to trade what's good, what's godly for what's now. And so he shows up on the scene, and it's kind of like a cheating diet. Listen, this is, this is what many of us do, right? And I've been here. Listen, we've been on this weight loss journey a long time. What happens when we're on a diet, right? Any of y'all ever done this before? Look, I, I haven't eaten carbs for 21 days. You know, I've been doing great. I've been under my calorie count, my carb count, my macros have been good. I've been working out. So I'm about to eat this whole cake by myself. Listen, I know I've been there. I know you've felt that way before. I haven't maybe not ate a whole cake, but I've been, like, we destroy the diet in one day. Like, man, I've earned this. I deserve this, don't we? Like, we go in this place where it's like, I'm killing it. I'm, I've been doing great. Like, I deserve to get me something right now. Look how good I've been. And don't we do that to God sometimes? God, I've read my Bible every day for six months. I've prayed every day. I've, I've missed a church service. I've been serving on the dream team for a year. I deserve fill in the blank. I deserve some Sundays where I don't have to serve and love on people. I, I deserve this raise, I, and I'm going to go after this promotion, even though I know it's not something you have for me. I deserve this thing over here, so I'm going to chase it. I've done all this good, and I deserve this thing. What will that cost you? Because sometimes we don't realize the cost. And if we go back to Matthew chapter 4, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Listen, when you settle, if you settle, 
When you settle, you're surrendering your inheritance. You see, what happened is the tempter always came in the opportunity that was given to him, the right time. He knew when to show up on the scene. And he started tempting him with the thing that he wanted the most. He'd been fasting for 40 days. He was hungry. He was tired. He said, tell these stones to become bread. You can eat. And here's the thing I want you to understand. He said, if you are the son of God, and for many of us, the enemy is going to try to tempt us with things we think we should have because we belong to the Lord. Well, the Bible says that he supplies all my needs, so I'm going to go after this promotion so that God can supply. The Bible says that I'm an heir and a joint heir to the kingdom, so I deserve to have all these things. Well, maybe those things aren't for us. I'm not saying you should never get a promotion. I'm not saying you should never go after a new job. I'm not saying any of those things. What I'm saying is we have to count the cost of what it will cost us if we trade what God wants for us for what we want now. We have to measure those costs because we shouldn't settle. Just like Esau, we shouldn't settle. And so we come on the scene and we see Jesus after true exhaustion, true hunger, right? True weariness said no to the now so that you and I could say yes to the true satisfaction later. You see, if Jesus stumbled in that moment, he doesn't get to be the perfect sacrifice for us. If Jesus stumbles in that moment and sins, he no longer creates the opportunity for grace and mercy in your and my life. If he stumbles in that moment, more happens than just him making a mistake. He makes a mistake that affects everyone. Mankind as a whole, his mistake would cause that. And the reality is, it's just like what we're talking about. What can happen? What are we not seeing that are yes now of what we're losing later? And I'm here to tell you today, be faithful in where God puts you, be faithful with what God's given you, and be faithful and generous with the life that God has called you to. Because if you're faithful, if you're generous, if you are walking in the plan and purpose of God, there is nothing else out there that the world could offer you that would cause you to want those things more. You are right where God needs you, and you need to be there. So that leads us to, to one more place. When you don't settle, you discover the abundant life in Jesus. Hear me for a second. When you don't settle, when you say, no, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with what God has for me, you actually find the abundant life that is found in Jesus. You see, there is no job that can provide for you the way God can provide for you. There is no thing you could have that would provide safety or, or give you confidence the way God can give you safety and confidence. There is nothing out there that this world can offer that will give you the purpose and the satisfaction that God can give you with his purpose and his satisfaction. Only the life after Jesus can bring you that abundance. And the question is, what are you on the verge of letting go of? Because to let go of the small thing actually means letting go of the big abundant thing that God has for you. We go to John 10, 10, it says this, the thief comes only, only to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, he's only here for one reason. So if, if the enemy puts something in front of you that looks good now, it's gonna cost you something later. He only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, but I came that they may have life and have life abundantly. In other words, I came that they may have an eternal life in heaven where the reward is eternal, where you can never lose this, but I also came that they would have this life here on earth in an abundant way. 
I came that they would live out this purpose, life more abundantly here on earth, this life that we're living, a life of purpose, a life of goals, a life of calling, a life where we're moving towards the very thing that he has destined us for, a life of impact, a life that God is so pleased with that he gets all the glory out of it. Life, eternal life, a heavenly birthright that Jesus has promised those of us that follow him. And I'm here to tell you today, you have that opportunity. And so for those of you that are following Jesus, I wanna encourage you right now to keep in mind that your pursuit after God, don't ever trade that, don't ever let that go. He's got a plan for you, and there's nothing that this world can offer you that's worth trading what God has for you. Now for those of you that are watching right now and you don't know God, maybe you know about God, but your life isn't committed to God. And you say, man, I, I've been chasing all the things that the world has to offer, but I know I haven't found true joy, true satisfaction. I haven't found love and I haven't found life in there. But I do want what God offers. I'm ready to say yes to him. And if that's you today, I wanna pray with you because I believe God is ready. Actually, I know according to the word of God, which we know has no error, it is straight from God, he says, that he's ready to change your life right now. And today, if you're ready for God to give you a fresh start, a new beginning, to remove the sin of your life, because I have sin, you have sin, and you're ready for God to give you a clean start. He's ready to clean the slate of your life and let you start brand new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 in the Bible says that when we come to Jesus, the old is passed away and the new has come. And today, that's available to you. And if you want that life, if you want that promise, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Now, this prayer doesn't make you saved. Your faith in Jesus alone is what makes you saved. But we want to put words to those actions in our heart where we say we're confessing with our mouth what we're believing with our life. So pray this prayer. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me brand new. Make me a new person. I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. And I believe that through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection, I can be saved. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen.